This is Renegade Femme for the Revolution. I am your host, Zuleika. Today joining me is Naomi Wolf. She is a social scientist, professor at the university level, a death doula, a happiness coach, a mom, a caregiver to her combat veteran husband, a dog lover, and an all-around amazing, talented, fun, funny woman. Hi. Hi. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So I thought today we would start the conversation by talking about something we've had personal conversations about, Mm -hmm. right? Like intimate, over coffee, over Marco Polo, over text, about the fear of showing up, Mm -hmm. the fear of using your voice, the fear of standing out, the fear of being seen, which seems so unique to my personal experience Mm -hmm. until I start talking to other people about it and you start hearing what their fears are and contrasted to contrast that fear to what they want to do and why they don't do those things, myself included. And in trying to figure out and name what that fear is, I want to hear like other people's experience with fear Mm -hmm. and Whatever the the limitations that that fear causes, whether it's fear of, I don't know, following your dreams, fear of going after an opportunity, fear of leaving something, um, fear of starting something, fear of ending something. Is it fear or is it really something else Mm -hmm. clouded in that word? And in trying to define, for me, I've been trying to define, okay, what is this fear? And in trying to define that fear, I've started to see it as more than just being afraid of doing something. Because I'm really not afraid of doing something. I've leapt many times. Some people call it bravery. I call it foolishness. But I've taken that leap. So I can't really connect to the idea that I'm fearful of certain things. Um fearful of taking action. So I'm trying to get to that point of figuring out, is it fear or is it something else? Mm-hmm. And we've had outside conversations and you've had some great insights and you have amazing insights because of the work that you do. And so today I'd like for us to talk a little bit more about that. Okay. It's so interesting to hear you talk about this fear that you have or this you know reflection you've had over a fear that you think you might have, as we've talked about, not only me, but my teenage daughter have seen you as this like, you know, angelic, fully capable, like beautiful, almost like, you know, I mean, it's just, you're glowing all the time and everything looks so easy. I think that's how I described you in the beginning was like Mm. a, a quiet power, I think, or something like Mm. that. Um, which some people would might even take offense to being called quiet, you know, especially someone who um, has a podcast with such a name <laughs> um, as, you know, renegade femme for the revolution. Um, but in talking with you, I think it helped me too to realize that we, all of us, no matter how capable and calm and put together we seem, you know, have something going on under the surface that's causing us, I think I used the word trepidation earlier, you know, 
fear of putting ourselves out there, fear of success. It's interesting because I've been reflecting on that too, you know, as um, I've taken new ventures in my life, such as being a happiness coach and a death doula simultaneously. I also wasn't afraid to take the courses and the tests and create a you know, website and do all of those things, but I have been afraid to take the final step to actually do anything. Um, and I think, I think it takes a lot of reflection to figure out what that is. Um, I think you and I talked about um, some of that. You were afraid that some of your image might fall down, right? So in listening to you, do you think perhaps for a lot of women it might be just that, like fear that the image that we've put on, the face that we have, the mask and the script that we use, the costumes we wear, that someone might see who we actually are if we're exposed? I think for me it's kind of, it, it not kind of, it is the reverse. Because I have this idea that I just kind of, go through the world, like, la-di-da, you know? And I'm almost like I'm wearing blinders, like when you see those show ponies out in the street or, you know, and, and the pull the, the white princess carriages for weddings. It's kind of like that. You have blinders on. You don't really, you're just moving through. You're doing what you do. Like, here's your role in the world. And so I don't, I don't see that I'm putting on a perspective that I, I want other people to see me as. For me, it's the opposite. I feel like other people kind of see me a certain way, and it stops there. Like, they don't, they don't see beyond the image that they have created. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, I'll, I'll, I'll know people throughout whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's through uh, activities at school with my kids or moving through school work, whatever it is, this has happened to me throughout my entire life that I can remember from high school through university, through work, whatever it is, even now, um, there's a perception I leave. There's an aura that I carry myself in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it creates, um, there's, there's an image somehow that, that I leave behind and I, I'm, when I hear the, the the stories about myself from other people's eyes or how I'm seen through other people's eyes it's always it's very flattering and there's always a huge part of me that's like oh no 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 but wait I'm not that yeah right but I don't want to diminish that person's experience of me because that's how they see me that's their experience and for a long time that made me very fearful I still go back to that now now I have better tools where I can remind myself that is not, it's not my job, right? If someone doesn't take the time to actually get to know all the different facets of me, I, I can't show up as everything that I am all the time. I'm, I'm different things. I'm, there's, it's, it's like peeling an onion, right? Yeah. Or, or the, the blossom and <laughs> onion type thing. We all are. We all are that way. There's no way you can be everything every time to every person. Yeah. And someone's experience of you in any given moment is their experience of you. And so I've been allowing myself to see it as that and not as a judgment that I'm not measuring up. If someone thinks, oh, my God, she's, you know, flying through the world mm -hmm. carelessly because mm -hmm. everything's great for her and it's wonderful and it's easy, 
although it's the complete opposite of that, that's their experience of me. That's not... Um, I shouldn't use that as, as an opportunity for me to kind of curl back into my self-doubt, um, that fear of showing up because, oh my gosh, what if I don't measure up to this person's yeah. ideal of who they think I am, even though they don't know me? Yeah. We've said hello and goodbye. And I'm letting that person's ideal on one encounter, whatever their experience is, whether positive or negative or apathetic, and my perception of their right. opinion of me, it's a lot I of might be completely off, yeah. right? But I'm letting that create a fear in me to then show up as all of me. Because then I'm thinking too hard of, okay, well now in this scenario, this person's already expecting me to be this, to behave this way or be this way. So if I'm anything but that, I don't know how they're going to take me. Yeah. Let me tone it down. Let me not come in is who I really am. Um, And so that's kind of, that's where I start to then question, is that a fear of me showing up? Is that a fear of me using my voice? Or is it something else? And it's in that something else that I'm trying to answer these questions and see, do, do more of us have that? Are we really operating from a place of fear or are we operating from a place of, I'm just not that confident yet to where yeah, I can just, you know. Yeah. And then it also, it makes me question, because I, I, do ha- I do know people who can walk into a room and that's just, they just walk into a room. You just know them as that person that when they walk into a room, be ready. This is just how they Mm -hmm. are. And I don't know that those people suffer the same, um, I don't don't know if debilitating is the right word, but almost that force that makes you stay quiet, that makes you think a little bit more about what you're going to say, about how you approach people. Yeah. and I think some of us have that to a degree where it's less about us and more about the other people. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're empathetic and we're so concerned about how we make other people feel. And that dictates how we show up in the world. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm curious though. I want to ask you a question and listening to you, to you just then. Has anyone ever called you quote unquote too much? Has anyone ever said that to you in any sense? Not in those words, but I have, my mom did say to me once like four years ago and I thought it was the funniest thing. And I, I always say this, but she said, you're not a cupcake either, sweetheart. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't don't know what that means, but it's, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that one for a little bit. I mean, now I understand what she was trying to say. And it's funny because if you ever meet my mom, you'll understand that idioms are not her thing. (laughs) Like we are an immigrant family. Yeah. We don't, we don't operate in that arena of like idioms like that. Right. So for my mom to have said that, I knew it was coming from a different place. And I'm like, I don't even think you understand what that means, but I get what she was trying to say is that I'm not, I might not be easy to get along with either, but I've never heard that I'm too much, but I have heard that. Um, yeah, well, I'm surprised you haven't (laughs) in the best way possible because every woman that I've ever gotten close with, 
has at some point or another encountered where she's too much of something, you know, you're, you're too easygoing or you're too sexy or, you know, you're too serious, just too, too of something, too much of something. Mm -hmm. But I think as a woman, we're only allowed to be too much of like a handful of things. You know what I mean? So you can be super pretty, but if you're super pretty and smart, we're suspicious, you know? Right. Um, so I think for exceptional women like us, that too muchness comes across and people notice it. And we have been told ourselves to not be so much since yeah. we've, I mean, forever, yeah. you know, to sit in a way that you take up as little space as possible and yeah. talk in a very low voice and, you know, put all, keep all your things right beside you. So you're not inconveniencing anyone. Like we've already done that here today. Mm -hmm. So if we're taught that, then it makes sense that it's difficult to step out with a loud voice. Oh yeah. You know, well, when you frame it that way, then yeah, automatically I I go back to different versions of that. Right. Mm -hmm. I've never heard you're too much, but I have heard that, oh, you think you're too, you think you're smarter than everybody else. Right. Usually in conversations where it's very clear, like, (laughs) not that I'm smarter than you, but make a point that, you know, there's just, there's points of that that do drive me a little bit mad because it's almost a way of putting you down, but turning it on you, like something that that's positive about you, like the fact that you're articulate you think about what you say before you say it. Mm-hmm. And somehow that person's diminished look on themselves makes them turn around and say, well, you, I actually, and this is true story. Long, long time ago, I dated someone very, very shortly. And for this specific reason okay. that actually said to me, you know, you make people feel stupid. Mm-hmm. And I asked, okay, well, cause that really hurt. Because I never want to do that. Yeah, My whole purpose in life is to go out of my way to make other people feel better than I feel. Mm-hmm. Because that in turn makes me feel better. It's right. a weird thing. No, and I'm it. sure from a psychological perspective, <laughs> I, it, there's a lot to work with there. But it just, it really made me question, because I had to look at the source. And I said, well, why do you say that? What, have, what did I say specifically that made you feel mm-hmm. like I think that I'm smarter than anybody else? Because I really don't. I know this for myself. Like, yeah. And there was no real, real response there Are the, other than, okay, you felt challenged and you couldn't come back with anything. Mm-hmm. And you feel that way about me. But instead of you owning up to it, like, you know what? I feel like she might be... Not, I don't want, I don't mean to say out of my lead. We're just not a match mm-hmm. in this sphere yeah. where our, we're just different. Mm-hmm. Say that, but don't diminish yeah. my intelligence or my ability to have a conversation or just be a decent fucking human being mm-hmm. by saying that. That's really what that was. It had yeah. nothing to do. I, I didn't play up anything. I don't brag about anything. I don't go around like, here's my Dexter <laughs> Webster dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't even say that right. It's not even Dexter. <laughs> Dexter, you get what I mean, be, I right? Yeah. My Webster dictionary. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't come, I don't show up to the world as that. So for someone to turn that around, like the fact that I just want to sit and have a conversation with you or, and, and you can't, and for whatever reason, you are carrying that on about yourself, mm-hmm. but you want to project it onto me as if that's bad. Like, yeah. when did it become a bad thing to 
want good conversations with people? Yeah. When did it become a bad thing to want conversations, period? Yeah. When did it become a bad thing to want to connect with somebody? And that makes you, that makes you come across as if you think you're better than everybody else. Yeah. I, I don't. I never do. I don't, I don't treat, there's never been a time in my life where I've walked in any situation that I treat anybody differently mm-hmm. than from the person to the left of them or the person to the right, right of them. I've walked in rooms with CEOs and power brokers and floor moppers all in the same place. And you know what? We're all the same fucking people. Yeah. And so it's really weird to me. It's almost like a, a, a exercise in, in psychological evaluation when people say that to you and they judge you and try to minimize you or diminish you on things that are very positive traits to have. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about um, a fear of being seen in some way and then linking that to what what you're saying about people's perceptions of you or people's perception of you, um, it sounds like you're talking about a few different things because you mentioned the guy said you make everyone feel stupid. Well, that's just a dumb remark because you he can't make really anyone talking feel... about himself. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. I mean, he was projecting. There's a whole I mean... thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. That's fine. Bless. Um, but the other stuff, like, I think what you're talking about is really that you have just intimidated people with your air that you, you know, kind of can't control. But I also hear you saying like, no, I'm not smarter than anyone else. And I heard an excellent quote on this really twisted show about this serial killer. Um, the guy was like, I am better than no man, but I'm smarter than most. And I was like, I love that because I do. I think my intellect is one of my top qualities. It did. Yeah. Um, I mean, a pretend serial killer. We're all a little bit sociopathic by the way. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I, I guess I'm saying that because hearing you say it, no, no, I'm not smarter than anybody. Well, of course you are. You're probably smarter than most people in the things that you're smart about and it's okay to own that. It's okay to be like, I'm actually really good at this thing that I do. And, you know, I mean, that's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? When we're afraid of being seen, it's of someone saying, no, no, you know, the label doesn't match what's inside. But in reality, we're the ones that get to decide that right. rather than anyone else. And we can't control you can't control what other people think about you. No, you can. And I think that's where part of this defining what the fear is, is, is that like, you can't control how other people see you because their experience of you is their experience of you. You know, if someone catches me on a bad day where I'm at the gas station and nothing's working and I'm screaming at my car, that's all they see me as is this raging bitch who's like crazy and screaming in her car. Yeah. But if they, if your experience of me is, you know, someone who is nurturing and thoughtful, you know, then that's your experience of me. Those two, like if someone told you Zuleika was behaving this way, you couldn't fathom it because you'd be, I don't know her like that. Yeah. Doesn't mean those two things don't exist inside of me, but to create a whole barrier to life and the things that can give you life on a personal level that's the part that I'm trying to kind of figure out from like a bigger picture of Mm -hmm. if we can name that, if we can understand what that is, then we can eradicate that. And then we can really become 
the people that we're meant to be, the people that we feel internally we really are, but we're scared to show the world because, oh my God, what if, what if who I really am doesn't match up to what they, what their expectations of me are? Yeah. You know, and you're right. It does. A lot of it does come from different experiences. I think everything that we, that happens to us or we experience internally, externally, it, it, helps to kind of it creates all these stories that then become our realities and then dictate our personalities and our behavior patterns right yeah um and so it's just I feel like there's so much power in in recognizing and separating your self-identity from what you perceive other people's perception of you to be especially if you're someone who is like I am, mm-hmm. empathetic, you know, always looking out for someone else's yeah. better sense of self than I do for myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to make people feel comfortable around you, and so you kind of play to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, I think it, it, it can come back to, and maybe it does come back to, really understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. And in understanding who you are, you understand what those limiting fears are. Like, this is a great example of that. Having this conversation Mm -hmm. where we're going to hit play on this and put it out and share it with other people. Because this is a conversation that you and I have had privately about these fears, about the things that we want to do, but I'm scared. Yeah. What are people going to think? Yeah. What if I offend somebody? What if I say something that you know? Yeah. A lot of it is fear driven. What you were just saying made me think of this. Actually, it's a sociological theory. Um, the theory of the looking glass self, which sounds like Alice in Wonderland, but Mm. you know, the concept is the looking glass is society. So whoever you are is who you see other people seeing you as that, you know, everyone's eyes are the mirror. And so as we're growing up and still to, you know, continuing for the rest of our lives, as people tell us things about ourselves, then we start to believe them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, especially if we have, you know, kind of a crack where things can slip through, if our confidence isn't great and someone says something to us, then it's going to mean more that day, whether it's good or bad, than it would on some other day, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's all sort of happenstance, I think, in that way. But um, it's interesting, you said, you know, getting in touch with who we really are. And when you think of that theory that who, who we really are is what we've been told forever, it takes a lot of uh, a fleshing out to figure out who you really are versus who your husband thinks you are or who, you know, your dad always wanted you to be, you know, to figure out what it is that genuinely makes you happy, which I think is how you'd probably define that would be a part of your definition for who you actually are, Mm -hmm. I imagine, would be the things that bring you joy, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. As you were saying that, I'm thinking of how many times I've heard, you're such a know-it-all. Like My sisters used to tease me about that all the time. You're such a know-it-all. Yeah. And it's like a Mm put-down. But in hearing you say that, I'm like, actually, I wish I were. That's been like my, if I could have any superpower, it would be to know-it-all. Yeah. So Yes, like, no, I'm not a know-it-all, but I do want to know a lot of things. And somehow, like, how, again, how is it that those things that you love and you want to be defining of you because you're proud of them, 
somehow gets turned around into a negative. And then it becomes a fear of like, oh no, if I go somewhere and I speak up, like I know something, Mm -hmm. I question myself. You know, I've been, I've said this story a couple of times this week about somehow trivia keeps coming up and I'm like, I'm always the secret weapon in trivia because there's always some random thing that Mm -hmm. nobody else knows. And somehow it's that question that I have the answer to because I picked it up some weird way, some Mm -hmm. weird place, some weird thing I read or heard or saw and it stayed in my mind. And I raised my, and I'm like, I got this. We're going to win this because of this thing. And somehow like that, that is a fear of knowing something, knowing something now becomes a fear where you're scared to like put your hand up because you've been teased for being a know-it-all. Yeah. And I'm not like, I don't walk around. Like I have all the answers. It's I want to be, I want to be that person that seeks answers mm-hmm. for questions, whether it's mine or yours or the universe or whatever it is. If there's a question, I want to seek it out Yeah, because it's in that, that I feel like I grow mm-hmm. as a person. And then I have more information to win trivia games with. Right. Yeah. But when you get teased for that, it does make you want to silence yourself. Even if you do have the right answer, you question, is it really right? I've done that with every single time that I am so confident I know the answer, mm-hmm. I will write it down, and then I'm. And then there's always that pause. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, do I really know this to be the answer? Because that's that. Yeah. There, that's the thing, right? Where you you do learn to become fearful of the things that make you you. Yeah, you know? your ability to question your desire to want to know things becomes a challenge to people. Um, Well, I know that our next business venture needs to be um, a professional trivia team because (laughs) I also am a know-it-all. So we would kill if we like went together. Uh, I love trivia. It's like a running joke in my family. So we're... I should put that on a t-shirt. I am a know-it-all. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of stuff. I know a lot of random stuff. That yeah. does come in handy. It really does. I mean, it's it's crazy. And I don't know. I have to, at some point, we'll have to ask. We'll do like a survey or something to see if men go through this too. Like if men know stuff. Because men are maybe this fr- is a different topic for a different show. But the mansplaining. <laughs> if men go through a period where they feel super insecure about their own abilities, probably, but in a totally different way than what we're describing. It certainly wouldn't be, am I talking too loudly? Or I I find, no, not at all. But I also find that men tend to mansplain and I, I'm not going to apologize if I offend any men because I don't think they're listening. (laughs) But I find that they do that the most with women that they know, know a lot of things. Yeah. And like I said, this might be a conversation for another day, but you know, again, it's, it's this bringing it back to fear and, and the, the not using your voice and really understanding where that fear comes from. And is it even fear? Like, what is it? That's the question that I, that I have, because I know we've talked about it a couple of times. I've had other conversations around this. And for me, I think it's more of a, um, I think these people have a certain expectation of me and I'm scared that once they see I'm not that thing, if I don't meet their expectation of who I'm supposed to be or who they think I am, then who am I? Yeah. Because they don't really know me yet. And if 
who they think I am is based on this one perception, are they really going to get to know me? Because the me that I think I am, that I see myself as, is amazing and fun and likes to have fun. And, you know, all of these other things that I think are, like, once you get to know that, supersede whatever the expectation you think of me is yeah. whether it's oh she you know because she's articulate she must be really smart and da 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 mm-hmm. and no it's none of that it's all these other things I'm caring and I'm fun like these are the things I value in myself the fact that I am caring I'm fun and sometimes a little wild and you know brave is a new word I'm learning to accept yeah. um and so I don't know maybe it's just understanding that and so yeah, I think it's a combination of, of all of those things and it's complex. They are. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to pick this one back up again. Sounds good. Yeah.